Thank you for listening to TMA's Practice Well podcast. TMA, helping you improve the health of all Texans. Did you know that you can claim CME credits for many of the TMA Practice Well podcast episodes? Just go to www.texmed.org forward slash CME to go. That's www.texmed.org forward slash CMETOGO to register for your episode and follow the instructions to claim CME. Policies and standards at the Texas Medical Association, the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education, and the American Medical Association require that speakers and planners for continuing medical education activities disclose any relevant financial relationship they may have with commercial entities whose products, devices, or services may be discussed in the context at the CME activity. The planners and speakers for this program have nothing to disclose. Please be advised that the information and opinions presented as part of this program should not be used or referred to as primary legal sources and does not replace the advice of your healthcare attorney. Nor should the information and opinions presented as part of this program be construed as establishing medical standards of care for the purposes of litigation, including expert testimony. The standard of care is dependent upon the particular facts and circumstances of each individual case, and no generalization can be made that would apply in all cases. Hello, I'm Beverly Chilton, an associate with TMA's Practice Consulting Services, and one of the things I most enjoy is helping physicians with strategic planning. An important part of any practice's plan is to stay accessible to the patients you have today and future patients. Your practice website is a key tool for patient access. I'm happy to welcome back Jonathan Sibio with OfficeSite. Jonathan is a specialist in medical practice website strategies and management. It's good to see you again, John. Hey, Beverly. Thanks for having me back here. It's great to see you as well. In a previous episode, you answered frequent questions we get when a practice is setting up their website. Today, I want to talk about how practices can use their website as a marketing tool. Yeah, Beverly, thank you. Uh, Again, this is an excellent topic and a great way to get some information over to your listeners and practical answers in ways that they could start applying this information to their practice today. Great. Let's get right into it. What do you find is the most common mistake with practice websites? Well, there's two that jump right to mind, Beverly, and those are going to be mobile websites and old websites. I'll give you a brief breakdown on each here. So when it comes to the most common mistake is old websites, people who have built websites for their businesses or practices um, quite a ways back, but just have not kept up with the time. So what I mean by updated is really in terms of technology. And that brings me into my second piece here. That new technology as known as mobile responsive technology is really where these updates lack. Um, The ability to be able to use a website on a cell phone nowadays 
is one of the most crucial pieces in online marketing that you can utilize. And again, directly coming from your website, it needs to be able to be used on things other than a computer. So whether it be a cell phone or a tablet. What are the latest trends for online marketing, specifically for doctors? Really big area that a lot of people are starting to access for online marketing is going to be social marketing space. So this is going to be Facebook advertising in a specific area. And really how it works is you can choose your demographics pretty specifically. Um, So for those of you who are not too familiar, don't spend that much time on social media. Um, Social media networking is an absolutely massive platform. It almost has the ability to reach uh, unlimited eyes in regards to the amount of users that use social media every day. Um, Facebook being in particular the largest and most complete platform in terms of information, it's a great opportunity for you to reach ideal clients. So what happens is Facebook actually tracks information from all of its users And that works on your benefit as a business. You can turn around and tell Facebook, hey, I'm looking to target somebody in this age range, uh, this geographical location, uh, this income bracket, this gender, right? So you could get pretty specific on your targeted um, client or ideal client that you're looking for. And this has really become pretty popular. And then last piece on this is those of you who are familiar with social advertising or social marketing, I'm sure it's happened to you before. You're on Facebook. You were looking for a new appliance for your kitchen the other day. You're on Facebook today, and all of a sudden, an ad pops up from Best Buy with the refrigerator that you were looking at. So it works in the same way. Um, You're able to target ideal customers for the specific services or products that you're trying to sell. On the other end is going to be pay-per-click advertising. So this is where you can actually pay Google, for an example, to show up on their searches. So we'll use a dermatologist as an example, and somebody who is coming in and looking for Botox um, goes to Google, Botox treatments near me. How do you rank really high on that search? And one way to do it is by pay-per-click advertising. And you physically are paying Google for ad space, makes you show up right at the very top of that search. These are going to be two of the bigger areas in online marketing trends that are happening currently. John, many practices have a full workload. Is a website still necessary? Yeah, Beverly, this uh, really comes down to two different areas, and it really depends on the individual practice's goals. Um, So looking to bring in new clients is really going to be one big area. So if your business is structured where maybe it's a short cycle of patients, so a patient comes in, they have one or two appointments, and then they're back out the door and not necessarily coming back in. Website is really going to be a big piece for you to keep that client list full. So new people coming in after old ones are moving out. Now, the second piece is going to be for a practice who is full and has a reoccurring basis. So this will be maybe general medicine, right? You're a family practice. You have repeat customers. They come in for their yearly or annual physicals, things like that. You're utilizing your website probably as a little bit different of an aspect. And what you're using your website for here is essentially information resource as well as um, actually tools to help your business. So whether that be appointment request features, forms to fill out, um, patient education, so educational value on your website, but there are things that you can utilize in either direction in whichever way your practice is structured. Going back to current trends in social marketing, should I link my social media accounts to my website? And if so, which one? 
Absolutely. Um, and this is a really great question here, Beverly. What happens is social media has a lot of effects on a website as well as what we call your social presence. So how you're showing up on search engines, places like that. Uh, so yes, we absolutely recommend attaching so, um, social marketing tools into your website. Um, I would personally recommend Facebook. Again, like I mentioned previously, it is by far the largest and most regularly used platform when it comes to social media. So a really big piece of information that can get built into your website. Now, here is one thing. You want to make sure when you're adding or attaching social links into your website is make sure you're actually utilizing do not attach a social media platform to your website if you don't plan on posting on it or using it at all. That is not going to help you. Um, so again, make sure you can actually be able to, whether it's posting articles or information on it, but make sure you're actually using the social media piece if you are going to attach it to your website. Aside from Facebook, a lot of people will use Instagram because you can actually run duplicate posts and it, it's just very easy um, and quick because Facebook owns Instagram. So if you create a post on Facebook, you can duplicate that information over on Instagram with just the click of a button. So really easy on that end. Um, and then again, lastly, is just the amount of visibility that these social media platforms get, Facebook being the most popular. It just gets the information of maybe that you're posting or your business's information in front of an audience that maybe it wouldn't if you weren't on those profiles. So absolutely recommend it. And again, Facebook would probably be the one I'd recommend most. Another question we hear regards surveys. If my practice engages in surveys, should they be published on my website? Beverly, so this is a really great piece for a website, and it's a great way to structure some client-facing credibility. And what I mean by that is if you're getting this information back in from existing clientele in regards to positive surveys or reviews or whatever it may be, um, create a testimonial section on your website. Everybody who is coming in and looking at information in regards to a practice wants to know what that information for the provider has been previously. Great example I always like to use is pediatrics, right? So pediatrics is going to be one of the most looked at pieces of information when somebody's picking that pediatrician is going to be the credibility or testimonial section reviews they read about the practice. And the reason for that is you're not only seeing a patient for one time, you're generally starting an 18-year-old contract with that individual. Pediatrician's office are going to work with those children's medical as they move forward and get older. Uh, so parents on a pediatric side are very interested in reading about the providers who their children are going to be seeing for a long time. Testimonials is a great way to show that credibility. Very good points. What is the best method to encourage patients to do testimonials? One really easy way for this is the follow-up after the appointments. So let's say somebody comes in, has an appointment, and you send over that follow-up email. In that follow-up email, you can generate kind of survey questions or even attach a survey link. There's services out there that you can pre-build a survey on and attach it into an email. So all you do is click a button after they come and visit. The email shoots out to them, hey, how was your experience, et cetera, et cetera. And you can leave a note section in that box. And those note sections are a lot of times would generate those testimonials for a business. Um, and the other way is just asking up front, hey, would you mind taking a survey for us? What were your thoughts on your visit today, et cetera? And again, a lot of times these clients, they've already seen you, right? So you have a little bit of a relationship with them and they're, they're more than happy to leave some info for you in regards to helping you create a testimonials list or just positive information about the business. Great. I want to get in the weeds a little and talk about SEO. 
It's a term we hear often, and it pops up quickly if you start looking into marketing strategies. I know SEO stands for search engine optimization, but what exactly is SEO and how does it apply to medical offices? Yeah, absolutely, Beverly. Um, This is a great question to bring up and probably one of the most important pieces of a website. And you're absolutely correct. SEO does stand for search engine optimization. And you will hear, hear the term SEO quite often. And a lot of times people are wondering what that means. So Beverly, you're absolutely right there. It stands for search engine optimization. Um, Now, what it does for a website is going to be actually kind of behind the scenes. It's something you can't physically see all the time on a website, but it's the tool that's working in the background. A great example that I like to give out for this is if you don't have SEO for your website, it's like buying a brand new car, but you've never put gasoline in it. Looks pretty. It's sitting in the driveway, but it doesn't ever work. SEO is the gasoline. So what happens is you get into the code of a website, and this is where you start building in the who, what, where, when, and why about your business and your website services. So what happens is Google evaluates your website, and they do this every four to six weeks. What happens is they're trying to figure out what types of services you're providing and where you're located. SEO is an opportunity for you to provide that information in the format of coding to the search engines so that you also get ranked higher. So SEO is the piece that'll help you get ranked on a search engine, but it's also the piece that'll help you get ranked higher than the person next door who's also a doctor providing the same services as you. So this is part of that competitive atmosphere in the marketing of online uh, services. So SEO is, again, going to provide multiple different aspects for you, but getting you to show up on search engines and then show up high as well as the goals with it. John, how long does it typically take to rank on the first page of Google? Beverly, this is probably one of the most common questions that I come across. And to be honest with you, there is no timeline. So there's different things you can do to get ranked on Google, but there's nothing that you can do to specifically set a timeline for it. The longer you're online, the more visits your website gets, uh, the higher you're going to get ranked. That is one piece. So there's nothing that can overtake time, if you will. So again, your website's been on there for four weeks and the person next door has been on there for 10 years and they're on page one and you're on page five. Guess what? That probably has a lot to do with time. So the longer you're online, the more benefits you have. You've had more visits and Google is tracking that. You've had more people spend time on your website and Google actually tracks how much time people spend on your website. So a piece I'll mention here is something called a bounce rate. If somebody visits your website and leaves in the first 30 seconds, you get, it actually gets tracked by Google and it's considered what's called a bounce rate. The higher your bounce rate, Google actually recognizes and you will get ranked lower. It means people get to your website and they leave quickly, which tells Google, hey, they aren't finding the information quickly enough that they need to find on that website. So really big piece there. And then there's also going to be two different ways to get ranked on a search engine. There's PPC and SEO. PPC stands for pay-per-click, where you can actually pay to show up on that first page. That will actually work. You can pay to show up on the first page. But with SEO, it's not a paid version. This is something that just takes a little bit of time to get you to show up on that first page, but it's healthier for your website long-term. How important is it for a medical doctor's website to be found on Google? Does it really have that much of an impact, John? Yeah, so this is going to go back to where the structure of what you're utilizing your website or your online marketing campaign for. 
if the structure of your office's main goal is to attract more clients, um, you absolutely need to have a website. Um, the reason medical doctors' websites have become so popular is going back to where we're talking about testimonials is people are looking for credibility on the provider they're going to see. And if you're looking at two different offices, one has a website and one doesn't, uh, you're probably going to pick the one who has a website because now you've got to learn about the practice. You've got to see the providers who work in that office. You've got to see their experience. It just provides a whole different structure of information than somebody who does not have a website. So in that case, um, very important on that side. And on the other end is if you're just using, utilizing the website to uh, manage an existing clientele, so link to a practice management system or scheduling appointments, things like that, still pretty important. It takes a lot of legwork out of the staff members in your office, whether it be having electronic forms so you don't have to fill those out in person anymore, just different aspects to having the ability to utilize online access absolutely makes it easier uh, in regards for offices to be online. And the goal with those is how everybody gets to a website is through a search. So search engine optimization and linking to the website has a high impact on offices. You talk a lot about Google. Do these strategies apply to other search engines? Absolutely, Beverly. This is a great question. The reason we talk about Google so much is Google takes up 80% of the market share on searches. Uh, so eight out of every 10 people who are doing those searches are doing them on Google. Now, there are other ones, your Yahoo's, your Bing's, places like that. Um, but again, going back to the number, statistically speaking, 80% are running through Google. You talked about pay-per-click advertising. Does this really work? And is it worth the investment? So when it comes to this end in regards to uh, pay-per-click advertising, and I'm sure you guys will hear it again as PPC. Um, so that's just standing for pay-per-click, uh, but it does work. It can be expensive. Um, so in regards to how this type of service works is you need to be able to evaluate the ROI and PPC is an easy way to do the evaluation. How it works is you're going to set a specific budget on a monthly basis. It's called spend. So you are going to spend X amount of dollars monthly. And on the other end of it, your PPC campaign will have analytics attached to it. And at the end of the day, what you want to look at is the money that's coming in from the conversions higher than the money that's being spent monthly. If it is, it's obviously a good tool for you and it's working because uh, the conversion rate is higher than the money spent. And when that's the case, it's something that you probably want to continue because you're spending X amount of dollars and it's making X amount more for you monthly. When that's the case in any marketing campaign, it's probably something good to continue doing. Let's talk about reviews now. Do you have any insight on how doctors can get more reviews for their practice? This is an area that you do want to be careful with, Beverly, because a lot of times you don't want to go out and be too direct or blunt in regards to asking for reviews. You sometimes get into the um, ethical questions like how to do this, is it right to do this, that sort of area. So there is the proper way to try and get this information as well as just kind of help generate those reviews, testimonials for your business. So number one, you always ask your client in a very upfront way in regards to it, but not necessarily for a review. Ask your client to fill out a survey. A survey is feedback in regards to the office. So you're not soliciting a review out of them. But like I had mentioned earlier, maybe leave a note section in the box. So if they feel prompted to go in and leave a review or a testimonial about the business, 
absolutely great way to collect the info. You've asked them for feedback about the office, but then the client took the extra step in regards to leaving a review or testimonial for you. Um, so this is a great way to help generate more reviews for the business, but just make sure you're doing it in the proper way and asking it through the correct channels. One of the frustrations with reviews is the negative review. John, is it possible to remove a negative review from Google or Yelp? Beverly, so I won't say it's impossible, but it's certainly not likely. So what happens is Yelp and Google collect all these reviews and you have to remember a review is client facing, right? So it's a client who went and posted and left the information. Google takes that information, so does Yelp and any other review service as that info coming directly from a client, right? So it is not biased in any manner because it didn't come from the actual business. So they're very hard to get removed. Now, what you can do, and this is the best practice in regards to how to handle a negative review or a bad review, is actually to respond to it. Find the negative review right under it. You're going to see a reply button, and you can actually reply back directly. Do not engage personally. Um, that is not going to have a good look on the business and just keep it strictly professional with simple responses, right? Hey, I am sorry you had a poor experience in the office. The wait time was longer than we expected that day. We were short staff. We'd love to make it up to you. Please reach out to our office so we can fix this for you. So again, very simple responses back is going to show other people who come and read that review. Oh, I see this guy at a poor time, but it looks like in the response, um, they just didn't quite have a great experience that day, but the office reached out and tried to, to correct the issue. Uh, and it's really going to help you on that side is people being able to see you being interactive with a client who had a poor experience. Will a bad review eventually fall off when new ones come on? Or can I put a cap of 20 reviews at a time so the bad review falls off faster as new reviews come on? Depending on the service in which the review came through, um, is going to determine on how this works. Now, there are no caps on reviews. So reviews will just continue to come in as they are generated. But this is actually a good thing. So the generation of positive reviews uh, actually help flush out the bad reviews. And when I mean flush out, it doesn't actually delete it. But what it does is it pushes it down the system. So how reviews are generally displayed is by the star rating. And the star rating is going to determine uh, the overall average of those reviews. If you have one bad review and you have 20 good reviews, your star rating is still going to be pretty high because it averages out that information. Now, as far as it flushing out or pushing down the review, what I mean by this is new reviews coming in actually go to the top of the list. So if you have a negative review, but you have 10 more positive ones come in over that, the bottom one is going to be the negative review. It gets pushed down the bottom. Now, when these sites feature reviews, they only show about two or three, and then you have to click the read more button the bad one will be all the way down to the bottom. So it kind of gets hidden, not deleted, but pushed down or hidden. John, our time has gone by so quick today, but before I let you go, do you have a last tip to share or the biggest takeaway doctors should leave with today? Yeah, absolutely, Beverly. So this is going to be where we had chatted about SEO or search engine optimization, but this is the most important or crucial piece in regards to a website that is sometimes forgotten about. Um, again, it's physically the tool that helps your website show up on those search engines and again, show up higher than your competition. It's used for a lot of different things in terms of branding, uh, visibility, credibility, your information, right? So what services you're providing. So SEO is going to be a huge portion of what makes a website work. Now, 
without that service being built in, it's hard to find any traction or movement in search engines. So again, most people nowadays, when they do a search engine, they do not go past the the second page. So if your website isn't showing up on page two or page one, uh, it's likely that you do not have SEO built in. And it's a very simple fix and an easy tool that can help you get ranked higher on those search engines, and then in turn, bringing in new clients into the business. Um, So those would be my two pieces of information that really would be the takeaway from today's conversation. Thanks again, John. To our listeners, we hope you found this episode beneficial. If you missed our previous episode with John, scroll down on the playlist to find it and additional practical programs. To claim CME for today's episode, click the link provided in the episode description. And remember to like and follow the TMA Practice Well podcast to receive more helpful episodes. Until next time, stay well.